Amen. We are in a new series. Well, I guess it's not new anymore. This is the third week. Uh, the greatest, the greatest 23. And we've laid the foundation of who that is. It's not LeBron. It's not Mike Jordan. Um, the greatest 23 is our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. In this 23rd Psalm, David highlights it beautifully. He lays it out beautifully. And I want to dig not too, too deep. But, but this is one of my favorite chapters for a lot of different reasons. It's one of the first chapters that my grandmother um, taught me. And I used to spend the summers at her house in, in Slidell, Louisiana, a little small, small town down in Louisiana. We'd spend our summers there. And, 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 and it was, you know, back then they didn't have central AC, at least not in her house. And so we had to deal with the box fan in the windows and that sweltering Louisiana heat. And all we had was we played with ourselves and we sang Jesus songs and she taught us scripture. But the 23rd Psalms rang true in my spirit. And every time I hear it, I just get so excited. And to be able to share and to preach on it tonight, I'm even more thrilled. And so we're going to jump right in. Psalms 23 verse 1. Let's go there right now. There is one word I want to deal with tonight. One word I want to deal with that I think will bless you, and I promise you I'm going to be short because I forgot to use the bathroom before I got up here, and so uh, I promise you we won't be long tonight. I promise you. I promise you. The 23rd Psalm, chapter 23, verse 1. Let's read it together. Ready? Go. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. You may be seated. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you that... It goes forth to do surgery in the hearts and the minds of those who hear it. Let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight. Let your people hear and see you tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. So I'm from the, the old school, like, southern black church and that right there was enough to get the whole church shouting the lord is my shepherd i shall not want the organist we get up there start playing everybody start shouting i mean because the revelation of that was so real and i know for many of you you may not shout like that but the revelation of that rings true in your soul amen somebody the lord is my shepherd i shall not Want, But there's a problem here, and we're going to get right to the meat of the problem. Sometimes we read the scripture wrong. Sometimes we, we, we read, or I should say we interpret the scripture, the Lord is my shepherd, he'll give me what I want. The Lord is my shepherd, he knows what I want. The Lord is my shepherd. If he really loves me, he'll give me what I want. And because of the way that we have misinterpreted that phrase, that sentence, many have fallen away from the faith. Many folks, even in this room, your faith has taken a hit. Because you've asked God the question, God, if you are God, why did you allow this to happen? God, if you are God, why don't you give me the thing I want? God, if you really love me, like 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 the like at the casino, ching ching, I, 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 
where's the jackpot at, God? I prayed for wealth. Why am I still making $15 an hour? I want to deal with that text. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. I want to give you just two quick definitions. The word want is defined as having a desire to possess or do. Having a desire to possess or to do something. A desire. I, I want it. I desire it. I need, on the other hand, is it requires, it's, it's, an, it's, an, it's an essential thing. It is essential. I need water. I, I need love. I need food. Well, not every day, but I, and not as much as I was eating it during the pandemic, but I need, I need food. The Hebrew word for want in this context is the word Chaucer. And it it is defined to lack, to need, or to be lacking. So let's read that scripture again using Chaucer. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not be in lack. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not have a need. The Lord is my shepherd, I will not be lacking in anything. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Are you hearing me? Problem is, when we get saved, right, the first step is salvation. Believing, confessing, and turning. Amen? The process of turning is difficult for a lot of us because the process of salvation is is the first step. The second step is the process of sanctification. And, and most of us are okay with salvation because the, the pitch to salvation is you'll miss hell. Don't nobody want to go to hell. Anybody want to go to hell? No. So that's the perfect pitch for salvation. But now the next step, the expectation, I've been bought with the price, so now the expectation is sanctification. Now that's, a hard, that's a hard pitch to sell. So you mean to tell me I, I'm, I'm saved from hell, but now I got to stop doing the things that I like? Some of the things that I, that I, that I like to do, like I like to, like to drink a lot all the time. And now you're telling me I got to give that up? I've got to turn from that? Well, I like the ladies too. I like the ladies a lot. So you mean to tell me I, I can't just be out here just liking everybody? I know there are kids in the room, so I want to make sure that I'm mindful of how I say that turning sanctification the process of becoming less of myself and more like Jesus this is important in understanding the Lord is my shepherd I shall not want it's critical to understand the importance of sanctification to begin the process of yielding and giving up my will and trading it for his That's why the Bible says you've been bought with the price. So because you've been bought with the price, you are now, your priority and your your will is irrelevant. It's inconsequential to the primary will of the purchaser. 
when I go to the store and I buy a box of Fruit Loops, now I know they're, they're supposed to be eaten as cereal, but if I want to take that cereal and crunch it up and put it in my ice cream, and that's my prerogative. Because I am the purchaser to do with what I want to with the Fruit Loops. If I buy cheese, if I buy craft Singles at the store and I go to the store and I come back and I want to put the cheese on top of my cereal. What's the problem? If I want to put the cheese on top of my cereal and eat my Fruit Loops with cheese on top, that's my prerogative. Why? Because I am the purchaser. The Fruit Loops, the cheese, they don't have a say in the matter. Here's the problem. You do. You have a say even after you've been bought. You have a say about whether you yield to the process of being more like Jesus, of being sanctified into being more like him. You have a say in the process. You can yield a little bit or you can yield a lot. But, but remember, when you yield a little bit, the process takes longer. When you yield a lot, the process is easier. And we're going to talk about that. So here's the, here's, the, here's the first thing I want to share with you real quick. The challenge with this word want is there is a war with, with distorted desire. A warring will distorts desire. A warring will distorts desire. In other words, the book of Amos chapter 3 verse 3 says, How can two walk together unless they have what? Agreement. See, many of us, we've been bought with the price, saved by grace. Jesus, we recognize that Jesus has died for us. We are, willing to, we are willing to yield to that part of it. But when it comes to laying down our will, we still want to have it our way. That's the war. That's the war. I want the benefits of God's will. I want the control of my own will. Right there, somebody should have said Amen. All right. I want the benefits and the fruit of God's sacrifice. But I want him to capitulate and tailor make it to what I want and what I need. And God is saying, nah, bro. Can't do that. Nah, bro, I won't, I won't do that. You know why? Because I bought you. I purchased you and you said yes. You said yes, not just to being saved from sin, but you said yes to being saved from your own will. Are you hearing me? You, you, you said yes to being saved from your, your own idea of thinking that you know best. Because how many times have you prayed for a thing, God gave you a thing, you're like, Lord Jesus, why did you give me this? Some of y'all sitting next to the thing right now. Lord Jesus, why did... I'm, I'm joking, I'm joking, I'm joking. I'm joking, I'm joking, I'm joking. But there's a warring will that's distorting the thing that you want. Because you want, you want a new house. 
You want a million dollars. Here's the problem. Does it line up with his will for your life? But I'm getting ahead of myself. Number two. Laying down my own will is an act of faith. Laying down my will is an act of faith. Now, now, it's just us in the room, okay? Nobody else, just us. Just, just you and me. Raise your hand if you struggle with the need to be in control. Just a little bit. Pastor Frank, why your hand not raised up? Why you raise your hand, Pastor Frank? Come on. If you struggle with the need to be in control, you micromanage your home, you micromanage other people's home, you micromanage your own, you micromanage your business, your employees, like, oh my God, just leave me alone. I got this. You told me what to do. Control. But God is saying, if you are going to receive all that I want to give you, You've got to trust me even when you can't see it. You've got to trust me in a way, even in the areas where you think you know best, even in the areas where you think you've got it figured out. Because guess what? Even in all of your, 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 your master's degrees and, 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 and the thousands of hours of experience you have in this area, you don't know tomorrow. But he does. You don't know what your finish line will look like, but he does. You don't know the detours that are coming, but he does. You don't know the roadblocks that are coming, but he does. You don't know the valleys that you're about to face, but he does. He knows the fight that's coming your way. So his job is to make you fit for the fight so you can win. But in order to do that, in order to do that, you've got to be willing to take your hands off. Take your hands off and say, not my will, but thy will be done. Jeremiah 29 says this, 11 says this, for I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Plans to prosper you. And not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. I can see the future for you. So what you think you want right now is not what you need. And I'm more concerned about getting you to your future than satisfying this temporary feeling of desire right now. Who am I talking to in this place? I'm talking to me. Thank you, Holy Ghost. Are you willing to trust him with your tomorrow? Are you willing to trust him with your plans? Y'all know I have kids right now. Most of you guys hear me talk about them all the time. I love them. They are the apple of my eye. That trip, man, I tell you, my son, Ronald III, we call him trip. I think that was prophetic. He is a trip for sure. He is, he is, he is just, I see so much amazing, so many amazing things for his future. He's, he's athletic. He's smart sometimes too smart for his own good and then I have my daughter Tierre and she is just she wants to hang with her big brother and she's got so many she's just all about the princess dresses right now she's a princess 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 and into the unknown that's all she wants to do is sing into the unknown uh, and wear princess dresses and I love my children 
Tripp wants to drive. He's five years old. Daddy, can I drive? He's five years old. Now, he, that's what he wants right now. Now, my job is to be a tangible expression of God's love to him now. That's, that's me and my wife's responsibility, to be a tangible expression of God's love for them. Are you hearing me? So what kind of God example would I be if my son said, Dad, I want to drive. Can I drive your car? I want, I really, really, really want to drive just for a little bit. That's what he says. Just for a little bit, Dad. Can I drive just for a little bit? If I said, sure, son, sure. What kind of dad would I be? And that's what God is saying. You want something right now that you're not even ready for. You want something right now that doesn't line up with my will for your life. And why would I give you something that's going to take you further away from what I have planned for you? Because remember, he says right here in Jeremiah, plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. If I let my son drive now, even just for a little bit, I'm jeopardizing his future. And my insurance. (laughs) Number three. God gives and he provides according to his will. Not according to your emotions or what you think you want or think you deserve. Matthew chapter 6 verse 31 says this, Therefore, do not be anxious saying, What shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. God knows what you need. He knows what you want. He knows your desires. He placed them there. The passions that are inside of you, the dreams that are inside of you, he placed them there. The problem is your sin nature will distort what you think you need. The old residue of your old way of thinking and your old habits. God says, no, seek my will, seek my righteousness, seek my heart. And if you can do that, if you can just fix your eyes on me and fix your heart on me and fix your mind on me and put on the mind of Christ and see yourself the way that I see you, you'll have the desires that I have for you. Are you hearing me tonight? But so often we're seeking the wrong thing first. We're seeking the how to get rich quick thing first. I can't tell you how many multi-level marketing things I was a part of in the 90s. Hey man, Ron, let me tell you, bro, you $500 right here. If you do this, I'm telling you, then in three months, man, you can quit your job. Three months. Well, of course, here you go, take my money. So you tell you a quick story. When I was, I just gotten back from Spain. I was touring um, in Spain. I used to dibble and dabble in music a little bit, um, just a little bit, a little bit.
bit. Um, and I was in Spain. I just got back, and it was time to pay the rent. And I had cash. I typically don't carry cash in my in my wallet, but I had cash, my, my half of the rent. And um, I put it on my nightstand, as I normally do. Woke up the next day, and my wallet was gone. Absolutely gone. I'm like, it's just me and my roommate in the house. So the first thing you're thinking, obviously, my, my roommate stole my money, right? It's the first thing I'm thinking, but it's just nowhere to be found. So I'm literally tearing up the house to look for this money. I'm, I'm, no, I'm tearing it up. When my friend goes to work, I'm tearing up his half of the room looking for my wallet with this money. I had $600 in it for my rent, right? And so I'm going back and forth and I'm like frustrated. I'm, I'm just aggravated. And so I'm, and then my license is in it and all these other things. My credit card I only had $300 on the credit card limit anyway. I was, I was, you know, my credit score was horrible back then. That's another, another story for another time. But I was, I was, I was just, I was, I was, I was hot. I was so mad because I had decided that he stole my wallet. And so I was like, you know what? The Lord was like, you know what? Chill out. You know, every Sunday after church, we go to my mom's house for Sunday dinner. And so I was driving to my mom's house, and the Holy Spirit said, your wallet is under your bed. I was like, nope, Holy Spirit, you got that wrong. I already checked my bed. I know it's not under there. I know it's not under there. I know it's not. And, 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 and the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit, literally, the, whole, the way the Holy Spirit talks to me, dude, your wallet is under your bed, dude. That's how the Holy Spirit talks to me. I'm like, dude, Holy Spirit, nope, it's not. I'm like, Holy Spirit, I bet you my wallet is not under there. I bet you my wallet is not under there. Sure enough, go to mom's house, eat, have a good time over there, watch the Saints win. I think we beat the Cowboys, actually, that Sunday. I'm not for sure. But get back home, and I'm just like, okay, just for kicks, I'm going to check under the bed. And I get down, and I check the wallet sitting right there. Watch this. As I'm reaching down to get it, I get lower. Holy Spirit says this. As long as you seek me, the way you sought this wallet and this money, you'll never be in lack. (laughs) Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be, and that's a true story. I didn't just make it up because it sounds good. You can call my mom and verify. That's a true story. It actually happened. Holy Spirit spoke so loudly. I never heard him so loud in my life. And I was on my knees. He said, when you seek after me the way that you sought after this money, you'll never go without. And I want to encourage you today. As long as you seek after God, continue to seek after him, continue to pour into him, to continue to allow yourself to be more and more like Jesus every day. He'll take care of you. And even in those seasons where you are not faithful, you know God has still been faithful to you. In those seasons where I have not given God credit at all, God still provided. God still looked after me. Seek after his kingdom and after his righteousness. That righteousness is important because the righteousness, seeking after his righteousness has to do with you becoming more like him. Seek after his kingdom. Seek after his righteousness. Be like Jesus. Act like Jesus. Think like Jesus. And all these things, the things you want, your heart's desire, will follow you. I'm almost done. Number four. 
when the Holy Spirit dropped this bomb on me, I promise you, y'all, I was shouting in my basement. I was, I was, I was, I was, thank you. God provides according to Christ's reward. God provides for you according to Christ's reward. You don't believe me? Watch this. Philippians 4.19 says, but my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. And so when he sees you and he sees the plan he has for your life and he sees and he sees the needs that you have, he says, you know what? I, I, I got all this stuff. I got all of it. And, you know, Jesus did, made a way for you to get back to me anyway. And I, I'm so glad you came back to me. You made the decision to make me Lord and Savior of your life and, and return back to me. So I'm going to give you not just what you need. I'm going to give you the desires of your heart, too. I'm going to give you more than what you can even handle. The Bible says it like this. He'll open up the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing that you won't even have room to receive. And all you had to do, Jesus, was believe. All you had to do is believe that Jesus Christ is the son of God and that he died for your sins and rose from the dead. Upon that belief, everything you need flows in abundance. Everything you need is you now have access. And here's the thing. Let's stop marginalizing God down to like these material things, a car, a big house, a a, a husband, a boo, a boy. Let's stop limiting God. Some of us need an an outflow of peace. Some of us need an outflow of wisdom because you keep trying to start businesses over and over again, but you need some business wisdom, some heavenly earthly wisdom. Some of us need joy because you ain't smiling enough. You need an outpour of his joy. By the way, let me say this, and I'm done. Stop squandering being in the presence of God. Hear me. We come here and we set an atmosphere for the presence of God to move. And many of us, we enjoy the presentation and we don't engage the atmosphere that the presentation created. And so here's the thing. We're praying and asking God for all of these things. I need peace. I need joy. I need this. I need that. And God says, what you need is in the presence. Get what you need right here in the presence. That's it. But we come here with our lattes and our coffees and our and our, and our, and our, and, our, and, our, and and being full, just having eaten dinner, and we just come and just spectate. Oh, Rebecca sounds so beautiful. Oh, look at these lights. They must be hot up there. And we don't engage the atmosphere. So what's the purpose of setting the atmosphere if we don't tap into it? And I know for some of us, because we don't come from the background of, 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 of pressing in and worship, and that's fine. But I'm talking about a heart shift. 
I'm not asking you to jump up here and, and, and do the worm across the altar. I'm not talking about that. What I'm talking about is a heart that is, that is, that is shifted from what's going on outside of this building and is now vertically focused on the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, the one who's kept you, the one who provides for you, the one who makes ways out of no way, the one who opens doors that need to be open, the one who closes doors that need to be closed. I'm talking about a focus. And as we do that, we're talking about the, you know, one of my, one of my, one of my favorite stories in the Bible is the day of Pentecost. We all want the Pentecost. We just had Pentecost Sunday a few Sundays ago. The Bible says when they were all on one accord, not just the singers and the tech folks and, and a couple of ministers over here, they all came in for the purpose of lifting up the name of Jesus. I don't need nothing from you, God, because I know you'll supply all my needs according to your riches and glory by Christ Jesus. And so I trust you with that aspect of my life. But right now, I want to focus on who you are in my life. I want to say thank you for making ways. I want to thank you, Lord God, for being head of my life and Lord over my family. I want to thank you, God, for, for being the best part of my life. If we can engage that atmosphere, come on, stand on your feet right now and let's just begin to worship the Lord. However you want to do it, if you want to clap your hands, go ahead and clap your hands. If you want to lift them up high, go ahead and lift them up high. If you want to shout a hallelujah, go ahead and shout a hallelujah. But we got to begin to engage the atmosphere and the presence of God. We said he's here in this place and so you should be able to get what you need from him. If you need wisdom, he's able to give it. If you need joy, he's able to, if you come in here heavy laden, the Bible says that he'll give you a garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. And so whatever you need from God right now, reach out and get it. Reach out and get it. Reach out. If you need peace in your home, if you need reconciliation with your spouse, whatever you need from God, just go ahead and get it right now. God, we thank you. God, we worship you. God, we magnify your name. You've been so good to us, God. You've been so kind to us, God. You've been better to us than we can be to ourselves, God. Forgive us, Father, for being lackadaisical, Lord God, in the presence of worship, in the presence of the atmosphere that you've created, Lord God. Forgive us, Lord. For not being mindful of you as you are mindful of us. You come in and you you fill the space. And we haven't stewarded you well. And we repent. And yet we go home and complain and pray about the conditions of our lives. When we just left the place and the atmosphere to get what we need. Forgive us, Lord. Help us to have a mind shift. To trust you with the things that we want because we know you'll supply the needs. Help us to trust you with the needs. Help us to trust you to be willing to lay down our will and all the heaviness that comes with it, the control, the weight of 
bad decisions. And help us to pick up our cross and follow you. Because in you, there's a partnership. There's a, there's a, there's a, there's a, there's a becoming of one. Even as you and the Father are one. That we might see the manifestation of your purpose for our lives being fulfilled sweatlessly. So that those around us will not boast in our works, but he who works in us and through us and for us. In Jesus' name we pray. With every head bowed, every eye closed, if you're here today and you've never made Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, I want to give you the chance to do that tonight. It's a very simple thing. It's about confession and belief. So if you're here today, if you want to make that decision to make Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, just go ahead and slip your hand up real quick. I see you. Anybody else? Amen. Let's do this as an act of faith and confession. Let's do this together. I want to just pray this this simple prayer. Repeat after me. Heavenly Father, I recognize that I am a sinner in need of a Savior. Thank you for sending your only begotten son to die on the cross for me. I do believe that he was, uh, that he died on the cross, was buried and rose on the third day. And based upon the word of God, on that belief, I am saved in the name of the father in the name of the son and the name of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus name we pray. Amen. Come on, give your, give God a hand clap of praise tonight. Hallelujah.